All right, we're back on uh, Top 25 Voter Pod. Uh, alongside me, as always, is uh, John Werner and Chad Conine, uh, Waco Trib beat writers for uh, men's and women's basketball, as well as um, Top 25 Voters in the poll. So they've got a unique perspective. Uh, Chad, I kind of want to start with the Baylor women. Uh, coming off a pretty impressive uh, win on Sunday against uh, Iowa State. Iowa State was ranked, what, eighth, seventh? Seventh. Seventh. In fact, let me, before uh, you finish your question, um, and that might have been the question in and of itself, is how big of a win is it? But 21 years ago today, and we're recording this on Monday, the 24th, Kim Mulkey won her first game against the top 25 team. It was number seven, Iowa State. Okay. So yesterday, Nikki Collin wins her first game against a top 25 team, number seven, Iowa State. And that's a nice little symmetry there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I wrote about that in Texas Sports, my, my book, Texas Sports. That has something on every day of the year. So a little plug for that book. I have a copy right over here. I could probably. Yeah, I've got one down. It's under my desk here. Um. So you did allude to the question. Obviously, that was a much needed, uh, not just top 25 win, but a top 10 win for, for Nikki Collins' team. How much mm-hmm. does that do for them as, as she kind of tries to, to, you know, stamp her mark on this program? Well, I think it, you know, I think it's absolutely essential because, you know, you talk about blood in the water, um, with games like at Kansas state and at Oklahoma that people think Baylor is weakened because Kim's not over there on the sideline and they get into the game with them and they decide that they can beat them and they really come after them. And they have that sort of um, sort of springboarding their momentum in a game. And, And you could see it in the Oklahoma game. Baylor got out to a lead. And then when Oklahoma started to make its move, it was like, I don't, I, it was on Fox Bali Sports Southwest, and so I couldn't actually see it. But you just from the play-by-play, you got the feeling that Oklahoma sensed that they could come get Baylor, and that's what they did. Um, so, you know, then Baylor gets its legs back under and wins at Kansas. By the way, barely. That was a crazy game. Um, and then beats up on Oklahoma State the other night. And Iowa State comes in ranked number seven, and – I was talking to our friend Jerry Hill before the game. I was like, it's weird to be in here and feel like Baylor is the underdog in a game. But it didn't feel that way for very long because Baylor got out to a lead in the first quarter. Even though Iowa State hit a couple of threes to tie it going into the second quarter, Baylor reasserted itself right at the beginning of the second quarter. And then, you know, I mean, they just made shots, honestly. It's like, I mean, any basketball team that plays any style, if you start making shots – and get in and get into a role, especially at home, especially in a big game at home, you're going to be tough to beat. And that's what happened with Baylor yesterday. And the most important thing for them, like as a program and as like their self-identity in the, in the program is that they now know that they're a team that's capable of doing that to a really good team. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny how that works in basketball. If you make baskets, uh, you tend to look like a little mm-hmm. bit better team, uh, even, even a guy like, uh, Ben Simmons, uh, uh, you know, of the Philadelphia 76ers, he's got that broken jump shot. Uh, mm-hmm. when it's going in, man, 
who cares? You know, I mean, uh, which for him, it's not going in that often, but um, uh, I digress. Uh, John, <laughs> yeah, you can't help talking a little NBA, can you? No, I can't. Um, John Baylor, the Baylor men bounced back with a, you know, um, two big road wins last week after, you know, a couple of home losses. How impressive was that turnaround, do you feel like, especially considering they're still without uh, Jeremy Sohan and uh, poor uh, James Akinjo has a, <laughs> has a bruised buttocks? Yes, he does have a buttocks injury. Yes, yes. I got, you know, I got dropped on a skate when I was in the first grade and bruised my tailbone. That was maybe the worst injury I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, well – you don't want your butt kicked. I mean, let's just put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bryce. Uh, yeah, just uh, they did what they had to do. They got off to big leads against both West Virginia and Oklahoma um, and then kind of weathered the storm. Both those teams came back, and in both those games, they finished strong. And uh, I-, I tell you, a guy who's playing really well is L- L.J. Cryer. He's, uh, you know, he didn't play a whole lot last year. He's behind three great, four great guards. And uh, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the country. He's shooting almost 50% from three-point range. Uh, he played well. It seemed like Adam Flagler uh, got used to handling the ball a little more. Um, I thought he played well those two games. And uh, it was just a great, uh, you know, a collective win. And uh, I think uh, Scott Drew did some great coaching and both those games, you know, the first time they played Oklahoma, uh, they were Oklahoma made a lot of good cuts to the basket. Uh, we're using screens, um, just, uh, had a lot of layups this time they didn't. And they were, they were packing it in inside on defense. They were maybe giving on the outside shot a little more, but it, it really worked the strategy because, uh, Oklahoma, you know, they just couldn't hit those shots consistently. And, Baylor forced 25 turnovers, which is a whole bunch. So, uh, yeah, so that those are just two very impressive wins. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a detour here. We'll circle back to the Bears, but Auburn jumps up to number one in the poll. Uh, read where it was the first time uh, ever for Auburn. Uh, even the uh, Charles Barkley, you know, led Auburn team. Uh, never made number one. They had Chuck person, you know, but um, obviously this is a, you know, pretty good Auburn team that said it's uh, I don't know how many different teams now, John have been ranked number one, Baylor, Auburn, Gonzaga uh, was Kentucky up there. No, I I believe it's been six. Six. Okay. Yeah. Which leads me to my question, which is this and Chad, you certainly can weigh in. Uh, do you feel like there's a great team out there? Wow. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, you know, th- there's so much parity in college basketball, men's, especially men's. Uh, I-, I just don't see, think you see just fantastic teams like you used to, you know, like the 76 Hoosiers. And plus, you, you don't see as many veterans, uh, you know, guys in a program three or four years. You see veterans, but – they, they've usually transferred now, you know, uh, the transfer portal, portal's gone nuts. So, uh, you know, just having that kind of chemistry, Baylor had it last year, 
they were pretty unique in this day and age. You have a lot of veterans on that team, but you know, with, with the lack of, you know, teams just building like they used to, I, I don't think there is just a great team out there. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think basketball fans are hype machines, you know, like, I think like people get hyped about one team in college basketball. And I think people overhype prospects a lot midway through the season, you know, a player will get really hyped just because he's a great dunker. And then he, you know, he goes way higher than he should in the NBA draft. Um, But, and the thing with the hype, the reason I mentioned it this year, you come into the season and Gonzaga is super hyped, you know, and then they leave, they lose two games in eight days and everybody falls out of love with them, you know. But I think Gonzaga might be, you know, that great team out there. But, it, but I, and I'm sure Gonzaga people don't like this, but like what a dream it would be to play like five or six really good games in November and December and then just get to line up people you can pound for three months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or right. two and a half months. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, how much fun? I'm not sure it worked necessarily to their advantage last year. They looked like they had a, a historically great team. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. was it was setting up that way, and then Baylor just dismantled them in the uh, in the national championship game. I feel like Gonzaga really might benefit from being in a little bit stronger conference. It'd be interesting to see Gonzaga maybe in the Pac-12, you know. Um, Well, you know, Texas Tech and and Kansas play tonight. Kansas is ranked number five, so they could be in that pool of teams you might talk about as one of the great teams in the country. Well, when they came to Lubbock, Tech had their best two players sitting on the bench and beat them by eight and and handled them, you know. Um, So I'm not I'm not saying Texas Tech belongs to that conversation, but I'm not. I mean, Kansas doesn't look otherworldly to me. Now I'll probably get bit in the butt by they'll they'll look great tonight, you know. <laughs> well, for from a fan's perspective, it's not always a bad thing not having this sort of dominant team out there. Uh, I would say, especially this year in the NFL. We, we don't necessarily have just the greatest team out there. And yet, look at the weekend that it produced. Oh. <laughs> I mean, well, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and just like, it was great all weekend, and then it finished just unbelievable. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. Um, staying on men's basketball, and then we're going to circle back to the women here for a second. Uh, so, John, along with that parody that you mentioned, um, you have a Big 12 that's pretty solid, top to bottom. I mean, yeah. um, so Joe, Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist, I guess, uh, has eight teams making the NCAA tournament from the Big 12 right now. What's your number? What do you? How many do you feel like get there? I, I think eventually it's going to be seven, uh, just because in conference you beat up each other so much. Uh, some teams going to end up with a bunch of conference losses. Uh, but, you know, he had TCU uh, one of the last four in, and they played really well. They probably deserve it right now. But, yeah, it's, you know, for a 10-team conference, you know, with seven or eight teams or even nine if K-State got hot to, to make a, a bid for the NCAA tournament, that's remarkable. 
I mean, you're and, looking at conferences like the ACC and Big Ten or maybe hoping to get in six or seven teams, but that's not even half the league. So you're looking at probably 70% of the Big 12, most likely. Well, considering getting Oklahoma in. State's and not eligible. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it? that's right. Now, Oklahoma yeah. State's not eligible. So it's, it's eight, of, eight nine of nine that are eligible. eligible. Yeah. And like you said, okay. with an outside shot at nine. So mm-hmm. here's my assessment of the Big 12 right now. You've got five. No, no, you've got four really good teams. And then you've got six teams that if you don't play your best, they can beat you. Um, And so that that produces what we see is unpredictability every night of the week. You know, I mean, Kansas State's a good enough team to win nine games in conference and get in the tournament. Yeah. They've, they've created an uphill battle for themselves. What it, I think two and four an hour, two and five, two and five now, but I mean, they're good enough. And not to belabor a point that we've talked about a lot, but uh, I feel like nothing um, breeds predictability more than continuity. And if you have a if you have a team that you can like get together and stick together for a while, that team you know tends to go out on the floor knowing what it can do, knowing what it has to do to win, and um, because you just have so much roster turnover, um, I think that certainly breeds the unpredictability. Well, I think that's something that that. Uh, Texas Tech has benefited from people talk about all the transfers and people brought they, that they brought in, but you had four guys that were loyal to the program and, and stayed there that have been there for multiple years. Uh, at least three of them have been there for, for two years previous to this year in TJ Shannon, Kevin McCuller, Clarence Nadolny and Carlo uh, Marcus Santos Silva. And those four guys were loyal to the school and loyal to the program and they stayed there. And that's, those guys would kind of become the core of the team in a way. And then you add those other guys around them, you know? And, and I mean, Baylor has four or five guys that have been there, but you know, they were on the team last year. And and I think that's what makes them as good as they are. Yeah, absolutely. You have a great core and you make some good additions. Yeah. That's a, even when, even if you're just on the team and your role is different, you're a backup maybe. uh, And then you ascend to a starting position or some sort of different role. Uh, I still think there's benefits to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, flipping the question I asked John around to the women's side, Chad, how many Big 12 mm-hmm. teams make the NCAA tournament on the women's side? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a tough question. You've got actually um, it is a bit of an unusual week, I believe, because I think you've got more women's teams ranked from the Big 12 than men's teams, right? There's four, there's four men's teams ranked. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the women have Kansas State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Baylor and Texas. So they got five women's teams ranked and and four men's teams ranked, which is. And, and I think those five women's teams that are ranked are probably your five that, that really have a shot. Kansas is getting a vote or Kansas got one vote from somebody somewhere uh, for the top 25. But, um, you know, the other five look solid. Kansas State. 
Uh, I voted. I think I mentioned last week. I voted them sixteen a couple of weeks ago, and just got a lot of love from Kansas State fans. And then, uh, and then they fell out of the poll last week, even though I, I still had them at like eighteen or nineteen. And I got them back up to seventeen this week. But they, they've got, gosh, one of the most dominant players in the country, and and good role players around her. They showed up against Baylor. How good those role players can be. But I, Bryce, you were talking about a little while ago, Yoko Lee scoring sixty-one points. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. In a in a crazy sports weekend, obviously the NFL is going to dominate the the conversation always. But um, but she her her performance gets a little overlooked. But sixty one, it's a it's an NCAA record. Um, and John, you were mentioning earlier, it makes you wonder. You know, what's the most you've covered, uh, Chad? What what's that question answer for you? Can you remember? The, the highest scoring output you've ever covered? Well, I mean, you're going to roll your eyes. It's a Red Raider, of course. Uh, I saw Rayford Young go off against Kansas back in, I think, 1990. No, no, in 2000. He scored um, – I want to say he scored 48 uh, against Kansas. And, of course, Cheryl Swoops. I can't remember what the numbers were on that one, but Cheryl Swoops had, you know, like around a 50-point game. Yeah, mine was uh, Jackie Styles, uh, late '90s against Baylor, fifty-four, and she it's capped 54? it with a yes. Mention that. Yes, and uh, she capped it with a four-point play. Yeah, <laughs> to a win three the game, a, right? Yes, at at a free throw. <laughs> yeah, that that I remember. I was at the trip at the time, and uh, you know, you guys know I like to play a little pickup ball. Um, <laughs> After uh, after that game uh, by Jackie Styles, that performance, uh, we were playing pickup ball like the next day or something, and uh, and all the guys out there were going Jackie Styles, Jackie Styles. Every, <laughs> every time they shoot, you know. <laughs> I was out there, Bryce. Yeah, good that stuff. Was fun. Yeah, um, I uh, I had to think about this a little bit, but um, Brittany Griner scored fifty on senior day, um, including uh, at least one dunk. Um, and that one, uh, I think might be the answer to the question. I think I've seen, um, I might've seen 51 on the high school level too. Okay. Um, I want to say Haley Abbey went for 51, the former Robinson girl, but I, I may be, uh, I may be blowing smoke there. I don't know. Um, the old the old mind gets bad after a while, right, John? Well, <laughs> it doesn't take – I mean, right. I, that Rayford Young game that I thought was 48 was actually 32. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little off, Chad. It was, it was, it was way off. But the Cheryl Swoops game against Texas at Reading Arena, she scored 53. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh <laughs> We'll, we'll wait, be back. We'll be back. Wait, before we finish, though, okay. I, I just have to say this to get it out there, right? I, I voted NC State number one this week. Yeah, I'm the only person that doesn't have South Carolina at number one. But here's the reason why I didn't have South Carolina at number one last week. I had Louisville at number one. Well, NC State beat Louisville. South Carolina didn't play, so I flipped NC State to number one. You know, because they did something deserving of the number one ranking, right? 
And I also have Kansas State, like I said, 17, uh, where they I think they're actually at number 25, which I have them a lot higher than most people. But uh, that's because of Ayoka Lee and, and what I've been able to see. And sometimes in the poll, John, you know this, you're kind of hampered by who you've seen. And Texas moved up four spots this week uh, on the strength of beating Iowa State, but they beat Iowa State without Ashley Jones. Now, I know that might be the case all up and down the poll, but I know those things. So I have to vote on what I know in those cases, right? Right. Uh, I applaud you for your for your foresight on K State. Uh, <laughs> however, my applause is uh, muted by the fact that um, this whole podcast you've had a very wonky internet connection, and it's very it's been very Max Headroom like. And oh, and then if you man, look I'm at sorry, and then if you look at uh, John Werner over here, if you want to talk about Max Headroom, look at I mean, good gosh, John, get your video straight. So we're going to be back next week to provide <laughs> more high quality video content here at the Trib. <laughs> well, we just need to have a Wi-Fi check before we start. As well yeah, as this we information, you know, 32 points and 48 points. Good gosh. <laughs> it seemed like more. <laughs> it felt like more. Okay. Yeah, that's the way the mind works. Uh, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll see all of y'all next week. All Sounds right. Good.